dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad if I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Going to be taking a look at the hottest story out there, and also we'll have something from the mailbag and a, my controversial comment of the week. You can hear all of this here next, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Wait a minute. Was that text you sent so important you missed your turn? So important you just ran a red light? Is that next text so important that you won't see the ball roll into the street and the child chasing it? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please remember that having your eyes off the road for as little as four seconds equals 100 yards. That's the length of an entire football field. And when your eyes are off the road that long, anything can happen. If you need to text, please pull off the road. Texting and driving isn't worth it. It's against the law, and it may cause serious injury to you or others, or even death. That's more important than anything you'll text. Please don't text and drive. I hope you're never hurt in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Working harder, going farther, with Mike Bryant on your side. Seeking justice for the injured, Bradshaw and Bryant. Shalimar with circumstantial evidence, which will play a role in today's show later on. But uh, first, I'd like to read something from the mailbag from a longtime listener and a longtime friend, Marty, who's traveling the country in his car and a trailer. Best of luck to you as you keep working on your book and your tales. First of all, Marty shared with me, okay, John, my brother from another mother. First, the Lazy Media Podcast is excellent. For those who haven't heard that one, maybe want to go back and listen to it, where I accused the media of just being lazy, just throwing out anything because you won't pay attention and you won't research it, you won't fact, uh, find it, so... 
they can say as much or as little about a subject and get away with it. Then he had comments about how ridiculous it's starting to cost to follow your favorite sports teams and whatnot between all the streaming services they're making you work through and for. Remember when it used to be easy, when it was CBS, ABC, NBC, even just ESPN on cable? Now ESPN is talking about going fully stream. They're going to, at some point, they're going to spite their nose. They're going to bite their nose and spite their face. They keep this up. They're just going to price themselves out of common man market and all. All the big numbers are going to wind up back on full linear NBC, ABC, CBS free TV again. So they can keep pushing it, but I I don't think we're ready for streaming just yet. And Marty's last question, Marty's last question was, why is it that only Iowa State and Iowa football, well, athletes are the ones getting busted for gambling? From what I understand, Marty and other people, the state of Iowa has really cracked down on it and really gotten with the feds on it. Other states are kind of dragging behind. But I, from what I hear, other athletes at other schools around the country are coming soon to be suspended or whatever to happen. You know, we're told every year about the do's and don'ts gambling when you're a college athlete, college staffer, college coach, whatever. And people say, well, if you play college, why, why can't you bet on the pros? Because if you play, say you play college baseball, you probably have insights or friends who are in the major league who may just unwillingly, just unknowingly give you inside betting information. So it's just best that our young athletes and staffers and coaches just stay away from it, enjoy the horse racing, enjoy the boxing, enjoy the other things that other sports that the NCAA does not hold championships for, and then you can bet on those. Next, I'm just going to cover real quick for those who follow college football a there was a rule change last year about substitute, substituting during drives during a football game. And if the offense substituted, the defense would be given a full, ch- uh, fair chance to also substitute. So meaning that the referees, would, the officials would step over the football and cover it until the defense made its changes. Now, this is all gone as the play clock is ticking. And why do I bring this up? The defenses have figured out how to win in this game, which is, well, if you're going to keep running fresh bodies out on us and then want us to uh, make play, give us time for uh, player changes, we're going to take our time. And I noticed that teams are running the fattest, slowest defensive lineman they can out there in a slight jog to get on the field to kill as much time 
play clock time as possible before he gets set and then the office can get set and get into its uh, cadence. So maybe this will keep the offense ha- has its players stay on the field and keep rolling and rolling and rolling, which in a way probably makes more sense because now you're tiring out the defense again. But when you make those substitutions, the defense is given the opportunity to make those substitutions, situational substitutions also. And if they want to drag their feet, there is no file. There is no penalty. The offense pays the price because they're losing play clock as that is going on. Okay, this week's controversial comment. You know, I've talked about why does black people have to dance in every commercial, and I can't remember the one from the week before. This one, I'm going to anger some people. And I guess that's what makes it controversial. Black sports analysts, either in the booth, but mostly in studio, why do they have to have a catchphrase or a grunt or sound effects? Why can't they just be analytical? Pay attention next time. Catchphrases, grunting, sound effects, all these things to come out of the black analysts at your, you know, college football Saturday show or your your uh, NFL show. Now, I'll give it to Desmond How- Howard. He's just there for the most part to give insight as a Super Bowl champion, as a Heisman Trophy winner, and this, you know, all the great accomplishments that he's made. Now, he <laughs> had a well of a faux pas a couple of weeks ago before the Washington-Oregon game where Washington starting quarterback, last name is Penix, and he kept calling it Phoenix, and then tried to get the crowd ripped up by saying Big Phoenix Energy, (laughs) Big Phoenix Energy. He meant to say Big Penix Energy, but who am I to say? But yeah, getting back to my original point, point of controversy, can we please stop having, and this is from somebody who used to be on a show that had several catchphrases. Can we please stop having black analysts on TV have to come up with catchphrases or sound effects to get over? They can be just as analytical and give just as much insight if they played the game as anyone else. Well, before we get into today's subject, I want to go to my commercial break early and then uh, come back with a little bumper music, which will set up the, today's topic, and then we will get into today's topic. Here next on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In a world that's racing a mile a minute, a split-second distraction can change everything. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Every day we see too many people, heads buried in their phones, unaware of the dangers they're in. Texting and driving isn't just reckless, it's playing Russian roulette with your life and the lives of others. In just four seconds of distraction, you've driven the length of a football field. Is there any text message that's worth your life, that's worth the lives of others? 
I've been fighting for the rights of the injured for over 30 years, but I'd rather you never meet me in a courtroom. So hear me now. Stop texting and driving. Pay attention. Value your lives and the lives around you. And if you won't, know this. At Bradshaw and Bryant, we're relentless. We won't back down. We bring justice to those that need it. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. With Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. JB's Low Tech Podcast, and as you can probably tell by that Hank Williams song, yes, Hank Williams, so you can tell people that you heard Hank Williams on the JB's Low Tech Podcast, your cheating heart. Today's topic is about the Michigan Wolverines and Connor Stallion and what did and what they do not know about this fool. And a side discussion on cheating and gamesmanship will also be a part of this. I'm going to give a couple examples. So, But first, so it, the story broke about a week ago that uh, coaches around the Big Ten were starting to notice and get information about this one guy who kept buying tickets uh, and holding up a, a camera. And he was caught on stadium cams around the conference. Well, doing some digging, somebody figured out that you saw sometimes saw him on the Michigan sideline next to the offensive and defensive coordinators. And people started putting two to two together, this, that, and the other, and they came up with the name Connor Stallion, son of two Michigan graduates, a naval person, military person, went to the academy. So he learned some um, slick things on decryption and decoding and whatnot in his time. But he has this manifesto that, his ultimate dream is to become the head coach at the University of Michigan. When somebody starts off with that run, get away as far as possible from, you know, people like that. Well, somehow he got into starting as a volunteer but was able to convince the coaches that he had cracked the code on other people's signals. And if you see the signals on college sidelines, 
the placards and the banners and people waving and you got four people putting in signals and you have no clue who was the hot person and who was a decoy and all of these things. This guy must have been spending his whole life trying to figure this out. Now, it's illegal, 100% illegal within the NCAA. They used to, when I was in college, we actually used to send out graduate assistants who would scout the next week's opponent, come back with information. Well, the NC2A and the coaches got together and figured out that needed to stop because it was just costly. The ticket prices, tickets to get in the game, airfare, hotel stay and whatnot was not cost effective. Well, with all the big money that's flowing now, that <laughs> that's not a problem. But that was the reason why it was first deemed illegal to, to stop that. So you, it is illegal or impermissible to send somebody in person to scout an opponent. You, if you can gain knowledge from the TV copy, which is kind of hard because it's shot from end zone to end zone, or from just staring across the sideline with poor signals, and you're able to catch on. There's a story floating around the late coach, Mike Leach. He had seven plays. He had seven signals, and he never changed them. And he would literally look at the other coaches across the field and say, here's my play, boys. Try to stop it. And you've heard of other coaches like Deion Sanders. I can give you my whole playbook. You still got to stop it. Where other coaches like Bob, former Oregon coach, I mean, Oregon, Oklahoma coach, Bob Stutes claims it's a massive uh, a thumbs up for your team if you have the other team's signals and you all of a sudden look over to your sideline and they tell you, basically tell you what play's being run. So there's even contradiction among coaches about is this good, is this bad, is it a big deal or whatnot. But this Connor Stallions guy, not only buying tickets for himself, for, for friends, he would buy the tickets and immediately transfer them to other people who went in his place if he had to be at Michigan. or Because he was just an analyst. He's not... He, analysts in college sports are not supposed to be hands-on in the sense of practice and things like that they can be on the sideline they can be up in the press box but they cannot be a part of practice so what i'm understanding at this point and there's a lot of news out there and things are changing he somehow convinced the michigan assistant coaches to give him an audience and ha and let him prove that he uh, could crack the the code of other teams, which he proved. And they brought him aboard as a volunteer assistant. 
and you know you see the photos of him with all these sheets in his hand and um the offense sets up and whatnot and the signals are rolled out and then he whispers over to the coordinator and the coordinator yells out pass or run and you look at the players behind him and they're all pointing in there now this also could be like we need to be in sky coverage or man up or it, it it could be a lot of things but the thing that isn't up to interpretation is they have him on tape at other people's games filming now the harder part is going to prove be to prove that Michigan has actually been using his stuff. Now, again, why would you let this wackadoodle on your staff in the first place? I mean, clearly, he thinks he's the ultimate football genius. Um, I've heard him call a fan too far. I've heard I, I'm going to use the term wackadoodle because if you write a was it 15 page manifest your manifesto and you've been chatting with others about it that how all of this is going to lead 15 years from now you being the head coach at the University of Michigan your dream job you are one sick puppy <laughs> you are one you one brick short of a load I mean I guess God bless him, he's not hurting people, but he's hurting people. People are losing games. If this is the case, people are losing games. Coaches are being fired. Um, new coaches are being hired. Young people are being shuffled around. Conse there are consequences to stuff like this. It's not just about... Do, do I have the play or not have the play? There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that is going to come out. And, you know, it's just like when they were talking about cheating and recruiting. Why does that hurt? Well, when you cheat in recruiting and the talent doesn't spread out and this, that, and the other, coaches lose their jobs. Their family loses their income. These are all tough things that you know, that's part of the business, but it shouldn't be gained unfairly. It'll be interesting to see what Michigan claims they know and claim that they don't know. Uh, how far did it go up? And from what I'm understanding at this point right now, October 26. 5.30 in the evening central time is there's a leak in Michigan. Somebody's leaking all this information to the press because they're embarrassed by it all. In the Michigan fight song, Hail to the Victors, the, it, it uses terms like conquering hero and whatnot, but it also finishes leaders and the best. We at Minnesota, when we sing hell, uh, hell to the victors, 
it goes like this. Hail to those fornicators, hail to those masturbators, hail, hail, Michigan, the cheaters and bass. Yes, we sung that 20-something years ago because we always thought Michigan cheated anyway. So I I don't know. I I flip back and forth every day. It's not a big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's a big deal. But understand this. The only thing that will take place this year on this story against Michigan is that um, crazy guy, Connor Stallions, will be let go. Right now he's suspended with pay, but he'll get fired. They'll lawyer up and all these things, and then the Big Ten and the NCAA will do their investigations, and nothing will happen this season. If if anything does happen, it'll be, let me say this, and anything does happen, it'll come from the conference, not the NC2A. The NC2A will drag its feet as usual, do its normal long year-long investigation, and then... And in the past four investigations, do pretty much nothing. They are they're stopping coming down on the kids in the punishments. So NC two A has raised the fine from five thousand used to be a five thousand dollar fine to up to nine million dollars. Put show causes on coaches, which means that if they are to move, uh, the other school will, in some cases, would have to wait until that year or two punishment is up before they could come there. And they're, they're looking more at punishing the school and the bad actors and not the innocent people, the young people who just show up to practice and play. So, at least they got that going right these days. Now, I talked about situations. Clearly, again, you can steal from one, standing on one sideline and steal the other team's signals because they're piss-poor signals. That's all part of it. Everybody says that's part of it. That's gamesmanship. That's, that's you know, <laughs> get better. But when you're recording and it's electronically and it's things like that that's um that's not okay let me give you three quick stories here that i witnessed firsthand number one we're in a big 10 baseball tournament we're at this uh the site of the big 10 holds the baseball it's baseball tournament the same site of the college world baseball world series they put monitors in both dugouts. This was for interview purposes and whatnot. Problem was, the camera angle before every pitch was right over the pitcher's shoulder into the catcher's signal. We gave up five runs the first inning, and the pitcher claimed it was like I could see, I, they could tell every pitch I was throwing. He wasn't tipping his pitches. The, our catchers are trained. 
at the University of Minnesota, our catchers are trained to call the game, to hide their signals. Uh, the pitching coaches, if they're given signals, most of the time are false. <laughs> so at least they were under Todd Oaks. I can't speak now. But um, so, yeah. But that's what happened. The other team was basically looking at the camera feed in, in their dugout and was, you know, guy's name, fastball, guy's number, uh, off speed. And if you got that much of a heads up, you know what, you know, if you know something off speed, you can eliminate the fastball and you can attack. Or if you know it's a fastball, you can eliminate the, you don't have to worry about breaking balls and you can attack the fastball. So, but the other team did not put the monitor in the dugout. The TV people did that. Coach Anderson, once we figured it out, had both, went to the umpires and had them both shut off. And we, I think we fought, we lost, but we fought back and made it close. But that's just, that falls under gamesmanship because you were given the opportunity for that. So here's another one. Again, go for baseball. We're playing the University of Iowa Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend series. They use number hand signals to call pitches. So they would flash like four, four, one, two, four numbers. And somebody would write it down. And then they throw the pitch and we'd write the pitch down. And they'd keep rolling through their signals and this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden signals would repeat and it would be the same pitch. And signals would repeat, and it would be the same pitch. And it was like, huh, we're going to keep watching this game to see if it happens. The next day, they rolled out, used the same signals for the same pitches, and we just said, screw it. And we just start calling nicknames for one and Jersey numbers for the other, for fastball, you know, number, and nickname for off speed. We scored 24 runs that day. <laughs> but, again, that falls under gamesmanship because that's piss-poor coaching. Why would you not roll or change your number system the next day? Our softball our softball pitching coach, which is our head pitching coach at the University of Minnesota, Piper Ritter, changes it every two innings. Let me repeat. Every two innings, she changes the cards on the, on the catcher's and the player's uh, wristband so it's not the same pitch being called. Under the same numbers. If you're going to use a system like that, make it as foolproof as possible. Don't, don't be Iowa baseball circa 2000, uh, 2004, 2005, somewhere back then. 
Be smart about it. And my last side story has nothing to do with signals, but does do with being accused of cheating. 2017, we were the uh, rated the number one softball team in the country by the end of the season. We were rolling as a team, scoring runs and whatnot. Well, there was a story being whispered around, um, whispered around uh, the conference that we were using hot bats. Now, what do I mean by hot bats? Well, number one, baseball and softball bats are tested for flexibility because they, you know, they basically, when you swing them, become a whip. Just like a uh, graphite shafted golf club. Well, these are made out of graphite or two-piece aluminum and whatnot, but they act as a whip. And if you can loosen them up, which there are ways of doing it, beating it with a rubber mallet, running over it with uh, a small car tire, it just softens it up. Uh, It's also called trampoline effect where the ball hits it and sticks a little bit longer and then explodes off and whatnot. Well, there's a device that in college baseball and college softball, that every bat to be used in a game is tested hours before the game and then given a sticker, which is impossible to take off because I've tried to take some of them off. And it's a different one for every weekend series or every tournament. So don't think that, you know, oh, yeah, we got the same. Nope, it's always different. Might be different letters. It might be different colors. It, but there's something different. And once they're tested, they're pretty much in the hands of the umpires at that point until you go to take batting practice. Well, again, the University of Iowa, strangely or not, Coaches called for a recheck of our bats right before we were set to go to batting practice. So that meant that all our players' bats were taken out of their hands to be rechecked. (laughs) Coaches were kind of caught off guard. We were trying to formulate a plan. And assistant head coach Jess Merchant said, I'll go with the bats. Jess, you go with, uh, said to Jess Allister, hey, coach, you and Piper go with the kids and kind of calm them down. And as a bat passes, we'll have a student manager or somebody run the bat over so we can start batting practice. Because we're actually losing time at this point because batting practice is timed in college baseball and college softball. So we're actually losing time. And first bat passes, second, and on, and on, and on, and they keep passing, and passing, and passing. Because we don't do anything with our, we did nothing with our bats at the University of Minnesota, but, and I'll tell you what the but is later. And when they all passed, (laughs) Jess Merchant 
associate head coach Jeff Merchant went, huh? <laughs> and I said, come on, let's go. And I went, I said, I came over there just to keep you calmed down. Because I she used to, her, her code name for me was Assassin. She was uh, the shorting shortstop for the University of Michigan softball when they uh, won the national title in softball. So I always called her Assassin. So we got through batting practice, and we get in the game, and we're just crushing Iowa. And we're on defense. And the coach that made the request is the first base coach, which our dugout's on the first base side. And so I said, hey, Coach Merchant. And she goes, what's up, JB? Do you know what we do our at-bats at the University of Minnesota? And she goes, what's that, JB? And I said, just put them in the hands of damn good ball players." And she had to run out of the dugout because she wanted to laugh so bad. And Iowa first base coach put her head down, stuck her face in her sweatshirt because she knew that I had busted her real good. And I just said, don't you ever accuse me of doing anything illegal to any piece of equipment here at the University of Minnesota. So their gamesman, that was their gamesmanship was to throw us off time-wise. Maybe the girls would be off for the first couple of innings. And what they, what, what they actually wound up doing was firing, firing the young ladies up to the point that they showed no mercy that day and the rest of the weekend. Jess, beat, we swept them, beat the crap out of them, and just sent them on their merry way. So got to be careful with that gamesmanship stuff. But there is, a, and I bring this up, there's a difference between gamesmanship and flat-out cheating, Connor Stallion. So with that, I want to thank you all for listening. Tell a friend, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Pod, all type of other places. Get one friend to listen for me. And until next time, when I'm quite sure there will be more on the wackadoodle Connor Stallion. Thanks for listening here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Point on Negro, Black, African American, Black, Black, Black. Django, JB. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know. JB, our great Negro sex machine.